Christmas. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I have promised you that um, as I do the talk, it is going to be much shorter than normal for those of you that know me at church. My name is Louise and I'm the curate here, one of two curates, that means a trainee vicar. We hope that you already feel that you're wanted here and that you're beginning to get that homely glow that we all hope for at Christmas time. Well, most families have their own Christmas traditions and I would imagine that your family is no different. Some families bundle up in warm scarves and hats and head to midnight mass on Christmas Eve. And I'm from Wales, really cold in the winter. And so I often like to do that when I go home over Christmas to Wales. Other families spend time reading towards the night before Christmas, before they go to bed on Christmas Eve. Others make and put up paper chains. Some of you children might want to head over and do that. I was watching The One Show this week, for those that know it. They were talking about Christmas traditions. There were some people, I was horrified, that said for their Christmas dinner this year, they were going to have a turkey pizza with all the trimmings, sprouts on there, and um, pigs in blankets. But the whole idea was so that they wouldn't spend ages cooking in the kitchen, would have more time to spend with one another. And uh, the comedian Jack Whitehall was on there, and he told this story about his very traditional dad, if you know Jack Whitehall, and his dad, who used to insist that the whole family stand up for the Queen's speech on Christmas Day. Put your hand up if you stand up for the Queen or the King's speech. No. Oh, one person applaud you. Well done. Not something that we do. What is it then for you and your family? What traditions do you have? I can see some of you thinking about it right now. You may be thinking about the grandparents that always sends you underwear and pajamas, new pajamas, or socks and pants. Uh, I bought some of those just yesterday, actually, for my two boys. Maybe you're thinking about the delicious mince pies that you eat while you put up the tree or about the mulled wine that some of us have enjoyed tonight that actually we only ever tend to drink at Christmas time. I'm sure that you're thinking of something, something that you treasure, that is close to your heart, that makes you think of home. Well, while it's different for all of us, in so many ways, in other ways, it's really not that different at all. Because no matter what your family tradition may be, for all of us, the best place to spend Christmas is home. Maybe not your house where you grew up, and perhaps not even your house today, for many different reasons. 
lots of people find Christmas really quite challenging. But home as defined as somewhere where you feel comfortable, where you can be who you really are, where you can love and where you can be loved in return. And with this definition, perhaps all of us want to be home for Christmas. This longing for home, the yearning to fully belong, to be fully known and loved, is seen in lots of different ways. We see in some of our most well-known Christmas songs, I promise I won't sing, but the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, You Can Count on Me. Or um, the really well-known one, um, Driving Home for Christmas. The Welsh, of which I've already mentioned, I am Welsh, have a particular word that is not found in, um, in the English language. It's the word hiraith. I'll try and say that in my best Welsh accent. Hiraith. And that means a really deep longing for home. But actually, more specifically, it's tinged with sadness because it's a longing or a feeling for a home that is now lost to which we may never return. And it can feel like that even today. For so many of us, that's something that we once had, that sense of home, has been lost and perhaps even gone forever. But a couple of millenniums ago, God did something very unusual. Nobody in the world, even those who knew God by name, would have guessed that God would have done what he did. And to this day, some of us still don't believe that it's true. That God left his home to come to ours. That he left his place of comfort and became uncomfortable. That he left a place of glory and majesty for a small, humble beginning. That he journeyed from the assuring presence of heaven and entered this uneasy world of conflict and anxiety. He left his home so that he could bring us home. In the Bible, in the Gospel of John, and we have some of these for you tonight, it says the word became human and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, a close friend of mine talks about a family tradition that she had in her home. Growing up, every year after they'd put up the decorations, the nice ones and the ones that your children make, covered in glitter, um, say no more, I was a primary school teacher so I've probably helped lots of children make those kind of decorations in my time, put up the lights, 
the tree, the decorations. And then she said they would get out a very old manger scene, a little bit like the one that we have here. It was made of wood, always had a funny smell about it because it spent most of its time in the attic. And then it would come in an old tattered cardboard box because it had been used over many years. And her mum and dad would place it gently in the window. And every year there was always Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, the angels, the donkey, the sheep. But the most important person was missing. He wasn't there. Every year, my friend would ask that question, where is he? The manger is empty, where is he? And her mum would say, well, not yet. It's not time for him yet. And finally, on Christmas morning, after getting up probably at about four o'clock, and those of us that are parents will understand that pain. Um, finally, on Christmas morning, they would run down into the living room. There under the tree would be the presents. And there in the manger would be the baby Jesus. You can put him back in now. There you go. He's in his rightful place. And the question was always, how did he get there? How did that happen? And we know a little bit about how that happened. Started back in Nazareth with a young man and a, a teenage girl. Typical for that day, being engaged was kind of like being married. And then an angel came to Mary to let her know that she was pregnant. And she was as confused about it as sometimes we can be, that that could happen. And we've, always, we've already heard from Isaiah, a reading from Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah was talking about the God that would come and be Emmanuel, God with us. That's how the journey started. Of all the places for God to begin his journey in his home, started with a young, innocent couple, a poor carpenter, and his very soon-to-be wife, that God would begin his journey that way. So the king of the universe came to visit our home. It didn't start with a parade or a banquet, didn't start in a castle or a mansion. God began his journey in a poor stable with a young couple that were very tired, vulnerable, and probably didn't understand it all themselves. 
the King of glory, the almighty God with a crown on his head, robes on his back, with the streets of gold beneath him, decided that it was time to come to our home. And on his way, he took off his crown, threw off his robes, and instead of gold beneath his feet, it would be dirty straw beneath his toes. But we've already heard that in the Gospel of John. The word became human and made his home with us. Well, as she got older, my friend's questions changed. Not just about how did that happen, but her question became, why did that happen? Why did God do that? And the very best answer will always be because he loves us. It's all about love. Again, the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him, everyone, shall not die, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Not simply does God want to be the missing part of our journey, here and now, but when times are challenging, but at the end of our journey, he wants to bring us home. And again, the Gospel of John talks about that intention, God's intention to bring us home through Jesus. It says... Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come back and get you so that you can be with me where I am. Well, I wonder how we feel tonight. You may be living a life where just like that manger scene on Christmas Eve where Jesus is missing. Because you've never quite been able to believe that Jesus loves you the way that I've described from the Gospel of John. Or perhaps you've been living your life with Jesus, but in the last few weeks or months or years, it's just all faded because of the life takes its toll, the challenges of the world that we live in. And this afternoon is a reminder to you that God loves you and wants to bring you home.
Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself in the Gospel of John. Our welcome team tonight, as you leave, will be handing out the Gospel of John to anyone who wants to read a bit more about how God came from his home to bring you home because he loves you. So this Christmas, when you've got a quiet moment, and it's very short, you can see, do yourself a favour and think about the life that you could have with him as he walks with you and brings you home. Thank you.